Hey everyone, welcome to a bonus episode of No Way. We are joined again by our good friend Andrew Her. So we mentioned in Andrew's previous episode, so that's episode number seven, Disturbia. If you haven't listened to it, stop now and go back. <laughs> But in that episode, we mentioned that he was part of our pilot project of the No Way podcast. So actually, he was one of our first. Ever guests. So last year we recorded a bunch of episodes to test out our format, figure out what the show is, and basically does this thing work. So this is one of those test episodes. It's a lot of fun, and we wanted to share it with you today. You'll notice a bunch of different stuff. Mike is missing. That's a big one.、Uh, the format's a little more loose. We haven't got a lot of the elements that you've gotten used to in our podcast. But please sit back, relax, and enjoy this. Bonus episode. Now, let's go to the movies. Welcome everybody to the No Way podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Your friend, my friend. Did you brought your friend to the party? I brought a friend. I brought a friend all the way from Ottawa, Ontario today. His name's Andrew Her. <gasps> we did a movie together called Status Update. One of the greats, in my mind. <laughs> 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 Don't laugh. Come on, dude. <laughs> no, I was laughing because. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I enjoyed it.、Hey. I enjoyed it. I just—it's one of Netflix's top recommended comedies right now. So go check it out, okay? So Andrew has had a really, really great career. Most prominently known for his role as Jonesy on Letter Kenny. Can you give us a little bit about how that series came to be? Yeah. So I mean, Jared had、uh, like a—he had a, a Twitter account called Listy Problems, like. Like 2010, which I think was like where the idea came from, like the small town vernacular that he was so intrigued with. But、uh, we were playing on a beer league、uh, team at UBC called the Trappers, Trapper Die Baby, and、uh, um, Jared, Jared, Jared came back from I think filming Don Cherry, and he started doing these、uh, Letterkenny problems on YouTube with Nate, and they'd done a couple before. And I actually, honestly, wasn't too familiar with them. And、uh, but Dylan and I were on that team. Dylan Playfair, who plays Riley, Riley and Jones, the yin and yang, and、uh, we just finished shooting the Gordy Howe movie,、uh, Mr. Hockey. And we played brothers. We played hockey. We both grew up playing hockey, so we knew the culture. And、uh, Jared asked us to be the hockey players on this YouTube skit. And then after that, it just kind of blew up. Huge lesson I'm hearing here is. Hey, hey, listeners! Play team sports. Get jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that easy, everyone. It's that easy, that easy guys. Sign play. up. Play team sports. Book a decade of work. How many hockey、yeah. players have you played on screen now? Three, 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 three hockey players. Yeah. Three, okay. Three. That's a good. That's a good amount. I played soccer、that's、most of my life growing up, and I still have yet to play a soccer player. So that's not true, Kayvon. You're full of shit. <laughs> no, I. You're you're working, aren't you? I'm working. So you、He's、play、working. team sports. 
I yeah, I do. Well, well, and I was a tennis player, and here I stand in unemployment. Andrew, can you introduce the movie that you brought to us today? Yeah, what do you got, buddy? What do you got? What's your challenge? Um, I chose holes. You got to go dig those holes. I'm tired. With broken hands and withered souls, emancipated from all you know. Lewis Satcher, like I love the book. I think. Like, that is obviously a big reason why I chose it. But also the movie just lived up to it in my childhood for me. Like, and I loved Shia LaBeouf. Imagine you're pitching this film now at at a Hollywood executive. You got a minute. Sell us holes. I suggest you go back to your home. Holes is a story about a wrong You can't you can't talk about this movie without it being fucking gross. Holes. Okay, so I want to talk about holes today. Holes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's like about an incredibly his name's Stanley uh, Yelnates. Yelnates. Yeah. Yelnats. Right? Yeah. Yelnats. Sorry. Thank you. And the movie kind of unfolds and ties the past and the present with the history of the land and kind of reveals this mystery within this camp that unfolds and you kind of start to learn why they're really digging the holes and it has nothing to do with punishment it has to do with a bank robber who's buried treasure somewhere in this desert Ooh. and if you were to say what what do you think a, a, a nine-year-old walking away what, what what what's the lesson they'll walk away with the moral um don't steal shoes <laughs> <laughs> Don't don't, don't get, steal shoes, kids. Don't fall. Don't get falsely accused of shoe theft. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, all my life I seem to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Holes was released on April eighteenth, two thousand and three. It had a budget of twenty million dollars, and at the box office, it made seventy one million dollars. It's uh, got seventy eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It was produced by Walt Disney Pictures, and for the background here for our audience, it was directed by Andrew Davis, known for The Fugitive, Collateral Damage, writers. It was Louis Satchar, who also wrote the book. He wrote the screenplay for this thing, and he makes a little appearance in the movie. It stars Sigourney Weaver, uh, Shia LaBeouf, John Voight, Tim Blake Nelson, you know, I have a funny story about this. I saw this in theaters. I fucking loved this movie too, Andrew. I fucking mm-hmm. loved it. I loved the book. I was obsessed with it as a kid. It, this movie sticks out in my mind and I was so happy you chose it because specifically I have this story where I was so um, enamored with the film. Mm-hmm. I had to piss like a racehorse, like I'd never had to pee in my life during this movie, but I did not want to miss a minute of it. Respect. I would have been 10 years old at the time, 10-year-old self, held on to this pee where um, I've never experienced that kind of like trauma in my uh, pee bag. Is what is it's that? Called a bladder. A bladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bladder. Yeah. yeah. A bladder. Yeah. That, I think the uh, yeah. term is pee bag. We could actually, definitely yeah. switch it to pee bag. I think forward. it should be called a pee bag. Yeah. So my pee bag's full. My pee bag was so full that it hurt like shit, and I could barely. I remember I could barely walk to the washroom. That my dad had to like help me and carry me to the washroom as a ten year old because I was so paralyzed that I was gonna piss my pants. So that's why this movie is also like just seared in my brain. 
mine. How do you know that's not mine? I hadn't seen this film, um, and uh, so you uh, brought this movie to our uh, show, and I was marking immediately, yeah, Over the Moon. He was like, this is like my favorite book as a kid, it's one of my favorite movies, best adaptations. I sat down, watched it. What the fuck? <laughs> is this fucking story. This is a fucking ludicrous movie. It's 90, it's like 99 different genres of film. It makes no sense. It's a fucking, are they talking about the issues of criminal systems? Or is this about gypsies? What the fuck is There's happening? lynchings. It is There's horrifying. Okay, there, yeah. it's true. There's ghosts. There's, There's ghosts. Fucking dinosaur lizards running around. What the yeah, fuck it's, do it's you guys the faint of heart. This here's for yellow spotted lizards. I wouldn't waste a bullet on you. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's, let's get into it. it. You ready? Yeah. Okay, round one here. Round one. So the round one is going to me here. Kayvon and I chatted about this, and I have a problem with the underlying whole um, I don't know if I'd call it thesis, but the, 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 the moving forward action, the catalyst of the story, if you would say, which to me is the curse. We're talking about the curse from Madame Zeroni. Every day you carry the pig up the mountain, make it drink the water from the stream while you sing. If only, if only the woodpecker. She tells the guy, the Stanley Yelnitz, to, to, to take the small pig, and let's, let's break this down, to, to carry it up the mountain, make it drink water, which is a magical water and a magical song, to make this thing grow, right? And then we know further in the film that it grows only to be equal to the other pig that, yeah. that is being presented to uh, uh, Mankey. So, yes. okay, she... I don't understand the deal here because he still like he did all this work and didn't win at the end. If if he would have won that thing, she didn't guarantee him anything. She just said it's going to grow. Lady, no shit it's going to grow. The thing is still yeah. small. It's of course it's going to grow to get bigger. So what is Madame Zeroni number 1 promising to this guy? Because I don't see what she is giving him as a deal here. And then she wants to be carried up the mountain to be sung. <laughs> she needs to be carried up and then sung while she drinks from this thing to get stronger for what? What is her goal? <laughs> I think when she gave that pig to him to take him up to the mountain and sing and so they would grow with the magical water, she didn't necessarily promise that it would beat the other man's pig. I think she just wanted to, he, he wasn't going to get a pig that would grow fast enough in time for it to be equal to the pig to even give him a chance between the two being chosen. And I think because when it implied that when she saw him and she held that laundry to her chest, that she was kind of love struck by him. So she just, he just needed that pig to win favor with the father, Menke. And so she she did deliver that opportunity. Also, that you know she's old. She never you didn't see her get out of that chair. So maybe she couldn't walk, and that's why he needed to carry her up the mountain so that she could walk again. But because her son's back in America and she doesn't have too many people to care for her anymore, 
she was like, I'll do you this solid and give you an opportunity for marriage. And then you carry me up this mountain to drink the water so that I can retain my youth again. If you forget to come back for Madame Zeroni, you and your family will be cursed for always and eternity. So she's cursing him forever and all eternity for not holding up his end of the deal. And I think I just yeah. have a problem with was this deal that devastating to her that she has to put a curse on him forever and all eternity? Like there, this was her only chance at getting sung that song up a mountain? Like can't she just ask the next door neighbor to just do this and like get – like I just feel like that she's being a little – a little tough here on the on the young matches. She is, but I mean, she, it looked like based on her little hot living situation that she wasn't. Uh, she looked kind of in a remote area, um, and if she couldn't use her legs, I mean, it's not like she can just walk over to her next door neighbor. And I mean, at the end of the day, he. All, I mean, what's what was it to take an extra few minutes out of his day to go pay her a visit and take her up that mountain? Like he could have done like he was going to lose, what, maybe a day or two on his trip to America. I mean, it didn't work out, but really it didn't work out because that woman that he was seeking marriage from was kind of dumb in, in a way. She was, you know, she went for like, you know, the second pig, like that fat dude from Borat. Sorry to you. And uh you know, he could have just gone back and carried her up the mountain, gave her magic water and then went to America, but he didn't. And like, she made it pretty clear that if you weren't going to do that, that he'd be cursed for all eternity. So he really took the chance by breaking that. Right. Same time. Okay. You're defending this very well, saying that she's not able to walk, which I think is a very good defense. And that's, that's the way part through this, through my problem here, because yeah, if if that was, but she doesn't mention like, so I can use my legs again. You but know? she says, carry me up the mountain. But she, he's carrying and, the pig that can well, walk she up says, the mountain. She says, carry me there so I, I can be strong again. Yeah. I can be strong again. Which, and you never see her get out of her chair. So maybe she was, because you'd think maybe if she could walk, she would just do it herself. It seemed like she was kind of lonely, was helping him out in exchange for a favor, which she needed, which was to be carried up to that mountain. I'm going to try and consolidate this. So I, what I'm hearing from Markian is that Markian felt there was no way that the the curse was valid based off the parameters of the deal. Yes. He didn't get the girl in the end. That's my thing. Andrew added that uh, it was never a part of the deal. It, the deal was to make a, a pig, a viable pig option. And, uh, and, and it was that young man's selfishness that he did not come back and make good on his arrangement for that pig. Not a bride, but a fat pig. Right. That is a way over a no way. Life uh, finds a way. Fine. <laughs> so uh, round two here is um, I'm gonna t I'm gonna take lead on this one. Round two. This really doesn't need uh, a good understanding of the film. We we learn some truth about Stanley and Zero uh, when uh, they're on the lamb, when they're on the run, and they find the. Uh, yeah. The, the thumb. They find thumb the thumb, mountain. God's thumb, and, and Zero makes a confession. Stanley, I gotta tell you something. What? 
It's my fault you were sent to Camp Greenlight. I stole the shoes. Here's here's my issue. Here's my huge issue with this. So uh, Stanley arrives at the Green Lake camp. He's fresh blood. He's new fish. Oh. Um, and quickly meets all the, the team, armpit, uh, etc. I didn't learn their names. Um, and uh, But they all uh, talk about the silent one in the corner, Zero. Zero doesn't talk. And uh, yeah. Zero's the best digger here. And e- even the counselor's like, he's an I idiot. Know I know he, I, I know this guy inside and out. He, he, class, he, this guy's an institution at camp. So now my big problem is, so apparently they were both out on the <laughs> same day that the crime happened and they got busted within a day of each other. Yeah. Actually, Stanley was busted before Zero. Yeah, so Stanley gets busted before Zero, and yet yeah. Stanley shows up to a camp where Zero feels like he's a lifer. Don't you know, man? It's like the fastest digger in the camp. He's a mole. I think he eats the dirt. Yeah, he's a weird dude. Yeah. I'd like you to explain to me how Zero apparently has established a, a lifetime of reputation in what should be approximately 36 hours. Okay, I'll give this, 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 is a tough, this is a tough one, but I'm gonna give it a shot. So we know that Zero is homeless and he, he has no one. And he seems like he might be a repeat offender. Cause I mean, he stole those shoes, almost got caught, threw them over the bridge. And then the very next day decided to steal more shoes. So there's a chance that he might have been caught before. At the same time, Stanley is kind of caught very unlucky in this scenario with the police where they think he's stolen these shoes, these sweet shoes. And he goes back to his house. His grandfather's putting up a fight. Like, I mean, they don't arrest him right away. He still has to go to court. But maybe because this kid was homeless, maybe because he was a repeat offender, Maybe because he broke uh, parole, <laughs> juvie parole. <laughs> so a 12-year-old offender who is like a thief, you know, he, because he has like no family and he's 12, you know, maybe he just got pushed through the system faster. Or Stanley had his parents to help and his grandfather to help and they were putting up more of a fight. Maybe they had like a, a lawyer who pushed the, 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 uh, the court date back to a certain time. Whereas maybe... Zero got thrown in jail and sent there a lot quicker. Like, even if it was a month, they don't really stipulate how much time between court and when he got caught. That doesn't really get specified. So maybe, maybe Zero's been there for two weeks and that's enough time for them to go, okay, that guy can dig. You think he's a two? That's a that's evidence of two weeks of presence. The yes, perhaps because he doesn't say anything, and like right away, if you don't say anything and they're trying to talk to you, even after like the fourth day of being around each other all the time and you don't talk, it's gonna leave like a pretty quick impression. Especially if he digs quickly, and especially if he's a repeat offender. He's and never been to Green. Do you think he's been to Green Lake before? Even the doctors, like, remember how the doctor's so comfortable with him? And he's like, he doesn't know anything. He's so stupid. You want to know why they call him Zero? Because there's nothing going on in his stupid little head. You have stated, Andrew, you've given it. He's got there two weeks 
on on Stanley. Correct. Yeah, beca- correct. Because it doesn't. By the time the police come into Stanley's house or apartment, ask about his bed, they sit him down, and then it time jumps to them being in court. It doesn't stipulate how big of a jump that was. When I watched the movie, I thought Zero was there for at least six to ten months. I like yeah, have that in yeah, my yeah. mind. If maybe yeah. you could agree with that, I always had that in I, my mind. I, I I actually could agree with that. Yeah, it seemed like he'd been there for a while. Yeah, it seems like he's there for a while. The way they treat him, the way he's good at digging holes, the history and the relationships he's formed with all those people feels to me like longer than two weeks. Now, yeah. there is nothing presented in the movie that says he's been there before. There's nothing that presents that he's a repeat offender. There's nothing, yeah. none of that evidence exists. That's all circumstantial and us trying to make a way out of this no way. So. Yeah. If you, uh, we are going to disregard that this is his second or third time at Green Lake. We have to accept it yeah. as his first because that's the information we're given. And we're going yeah. to accept the timeline is that they, he got busted a day after Stanley. Yeah. But if Zero had no parents, maybe he wasn't a repeat offender. Maybe he didn't go to Camp Green Lake. Uh, he hadn't been there before, but maybe he's been caught before and he's caused problems before. And I just... I absolutely accept your, your proposition that a marginalized kid uh, in a broken system in the United States uh, under a misdemeanor would be treated uh, terribly and uh, shooed off to this camp without question. I buy that. Where I'm having my no way is that uh, it would take six to eight months to send Stanley there later. Yeah, I, 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 would, I actually concur. I, Ooh. I Yeah, I, I, I would. I actually concur. No way. Did we just get our first no way? We got our first no way conceded by our guest. <sighs> our third round. So this one, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Here we go. So this is for all the marbles, Andrew, of whether yeah. holes is a way or a no way. So Markian uh, for sure led the Zeroni curse. I, without question, led the timeline. But this is both of us. This is our heavy hitter. This is our Hail Mary. This is our whatever metaphor you can think of. It is how Stanley ever even got to Green Lake. So we take you to the trial. Stanley Yelnats, please rise. Please help us understand how in any universe a minor somewhere between the age of 12 and 15 years old is accused of stealing a a valuable item from a silent auction table at an orphanage, (laughs) draws a uh, trial, A, and B, requires the celebrity athlete who donated the shoes to appear as a character witness of some kind. I don't understand what type of person steals from homeless children. Uh, Who was not present at the orphanage when the shoes were stolen, has no connection to the accused, other than they probably don't like the crime. Okay. 
He said that he grew up in that orphanage, for one. The only way that in the court of law, someone would be brought to testify, because the, looking at it from a movie standpoint, you're like, okay, why would he be there? But if we're looking from a court point of view, a like trial point of view, then maybe he was, because he went to the orphanage, and because he'd signed these and he was doing it to donate, to raise money for the place where he grew up, maybe he went there to the orphanage to drop these off. And maybe for timeline purposes, they wanted to narrow in when they were potentially stolen to the time when they potentially, or when they did catch Stanley with those shoes. And because they were of so much value and because he's such a star, the crown or the prosecutors would have not only for timeline purposes, but just to have him in as a witness would have really solidified guilt. So far, what I'm hearing, number one, is that Ron Livingston, Ron Livingston? Sweet Livingston. Feet. Sweet Feet. Sweet so feet. as far as I understand, Sweet, sweet yeah. Feet is there to confirm that he dropped his shoes off and then they went missing. Yes, that and because the crown a prosecutor, they can uh, the prosecutors are can be terrible people and would use it. It's like the OJ case. Okay, like, so you, you no, it's, it's, so it's a it's a they they do they, they are using him to sway the jury. Okay, they're okay. using him to sway the jury, okay. to sway and the judge, here's, here's, paint evil picture of this kid. How the fuck? That a 15-year-old kid who jacked some shoes from an orphanage get a trial a, with a lawyer who had exhibits A through C. You don't know how vengeful this athlete is. I mean, at the end of the day, like, if an orphanage... It's not he's the raising athlete, though. It's the orphanage. Huh? If the athlete has donated the shoe to the orphanage... The, yeah. uh, the the person who's pressing charges. Pre the person who's pressing charges to the kid is the orphanage. Okay, are we accepting? Let's. This is my question. Are we accepting that this guy is just a dick? Then because yeah. because he is now showed up to court, which he probably didn't have to do, but he decided to come to this trial. Okay, so he has come to this trial to prosecute and paint his story. He, the way he says it, he says. I don't understand what type of person steals from homeless children. He says it pretty, he's pretty pissed. He's, he's pretty pissed. He's pissed at Stanley for stealing shoes from a silent auction. It's not that serious. Uh, they, they are able to reclaim the shoes. They go back to the orphanage. In that next moment, the orphanage says, we are pressing charges against a 15-year-old boy. And the, and the orphanage knows it's a 15-year-old boy because they would have said, what happened? Where did they go? And they said, well, there was a child. He seems like he was a fan of the athlete, and he took the shoes. And they were like, we're pressing charges. So they press <laughs> charges against this kid, and they find yeah. out that the family can't afford a lawyer because they're a marginalized family in a, I don't know, a Brooklyn household. They go to trial, and not yeah. only does the prosecution throw everything at them with a lawyer who has exhibits A through D, they <laughs> even get sweet feet to show up to corroborate some useless timeline, but mostly there to sway the morality of the room and make sure this kid fucking goes down. The yes. orphanage wins the case 
and they send the kid to a camp in Texas for 18 months. Yeah. You know, fan of mine. Orphanage have, like, they do great things, but... Are you about to shit on the orphanage? orphanage? Their track record's a little bit suspect at times, right? Like, they... um, We know this. This is... What do they have? There's no money to be gained. I'm just saying. We know from Annie they have bad track records. Okay, yeah. If you know your Broadway musicals. And, and And negligence isn't out of the realm of possibilities. And... Just why are they they're... pursuing a conviction? Why are they so yeah, no why money. are they so up there on this? There was no financial benefit to the trial. Orphanage can be cruel. It can be run by cruel people. Sometimes people like are dicks and there's like I'm not going to I'm not going to take the charges back. He stole his shoes. Maybe that person is a very Christian moral person who believes that they shouldn't do that no matter what. Maybe this person isn't as forgiving or as as empathetic as we are. And he stole the shoes. It caused a problem. It pissed off the guy who was giving them shoes in the first place. So it made them look like assholes because of their negligence. And maybe they're just like, no, we're going to put the blame on this kid and just really fucking hammer it to him. Like it's maybe it was a chain reaction of events that didn't necessarily make sense on their own, but combined led to him being incredibly unluckily and wrongfully convicted. And, and we also have to remember... This is a cursed family. Yes. And the curse is a given. You and I are on the side that there's no way, there's no way. a charity, oh, sorry, a, a, an orphanage could pursue these charges. Andrew's defense is why not? Which I agree with. I agree with they could. I think we need to call a draw, a truce. I think we are at full stalemate on point three. Yeah. I want to leave it to the listeners to vote. I agree. I agree. Yep. I think we have to put this on. And if you are listening and you do want to vote on this, you can reach out to us by email, social media. Just make your uh, opinion known about specifically our third point. And Andrew, if we may ask, you got you to gotta post about this and, and try to sway your 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 viewership. Yeah, this is a battle now. Now we're, I'm going to put yeah. all my social media might behind Taking you fucking <laughs> yeah. down. We're going on this. Whole, point. We're going full it's holes. You, I've it. declared war on you on this third point of in holes that that this trial does not hold up. No. It was all because of your no good, dirty, rotten, big stealing great great grandfather. You got to go and dig those holes. That was Thanks great. You me. We was, we I got into a really in-depth <laughs> analysis <laughs> of holes. the movie Holes. Yeah, always said the movie right before. Yeah, the, yeah, I think you have to say the movie Holes. Yeah, you have to say the movie holds. Yeah, if you see the movie holds. Hey man, thanks for hanging out and talking about holes all night. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the No Way Podcast. No Way is produced by Marky and Tarasiuk, Kayvon Koshkam, and Mike Gill with the help of Speakeasy Theater and the Cinematics Creation Company. The show is edited by Kayvon Koshkam with original music by Ben Elliott. The No Way podcast is produced on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil people. Please join us next Friday for another exciting episode of No Way, and make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at No Way Podcast and Twitter at No Way Pod. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time at the movies. The dirt and mean shovels will give us a beat. Okay, you gotta fly.
something never found before. If not, we'll just have to dig some more. Ooh. 